If you haven't heard of the National Garden Scheme, it was always famous for a yellow book. The yellow book that you used to find on the, uh, on the newsstands. And you could look up anywhere in the country where you could go and see a garden. Now, what people don't realise, and in fact, I've got with us, we're going to be talking to George Plumtree, the chief executive of the National Garden Scheme, about the good that the National Garden Scheme does for charities across the country. Now, George, um, what I'd like to ask you is, you know, I've I've been to many of your events in the in the festival halls they used to be, but of course, since the pandemic, things have changed a bit, haven't they? Um, yes, indeed, Ken. Good morning. In some ways, they have changed, and we we haven't done that event at the festival hall um, since two thousand and nineteen. Um, what we've done is, in a sense, move with the times. And we now have um, an online a media, annual media launch every year in the last week of January. And this year's is coming up on the 25th. And to be honest, of course, because what it means is that all of you wonderful journalists and other people in the media can attend from the comfort of your own studies, is that we get a far higher attendance from journalists than when it was live. Because journalists, it's hard to um, justify travelling from... Uh, mid Wales, North Yorkshire <laughs> to right. London for a press event, but you can, um, of course, attend from home. Um, so that's the reasoning behind uh, how why we've changed our launch. But the exciting events and garden openings that we always have to announce every year hasn't changed at all. And the the important thing is, and and people go to Yellow Book, uh, Yellow Garden, you know, the garden events, and they so many people open their gardens for you and make them in pristine condition. I mean, you know, you've got some fantastic gardens within your scheme, but what people perhaps aren't aware of is how much help you do for charity. I mean, it's vast, isn't it, the amount of money that is raised and given back directly to charity. No, you're absolutely right, Ken, and and, uh, to be honest, we are very proud of that, and to think that it's all raised uh, by literally thousands of of private individuals opening their own private gardens. Normally, these are the only times that you can visit these people's gardens. And the great majority are, are like everybody else. They go to work Monday to Friday. They're keen gardeners. They do their gardening in the evenings and at weekends. And then they open up to visitors and they raise thousands of pounds. So last year, uh, they achieved a little milestone in that for the first time ever, the gardens, about three and a half thousand of them, raised over four million pounds and that enabled us at the end of the year our trustees to to make decisions on distributing to the beneficiaries just over 3.4 million pounds so we've been giving away well over or over three million pounds for quite a few years now and it is a wonderful achievement and the 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 major beneficiaries all continue to be in the area of nursing and health which of course is what we were founded to support all those years ago in 1927 when we were founded to um, to support district nursing. And we continue to do that and we fund other much-loved nursing and health charities like Macmillan and Marie Curie. But we also, in recent years, have been giving money to charities which are part of our gardens and health programme. And one of the things... Um, which I think I know you would like to talk about this morning, is this rather fascinating report which we commissioned last year and we got the results towards the end of last year 
talking to visitors, comparing um, how they found visiting a garden in winter in early February uh, with visiting a garden in summer, because everybody knows that visiting gardens in summer, and that, of course, is when (laughs) most of our gardens open, is a lovely, pleasurable occupation, and you go to a garden, and it's a sunny day, and there are roses tumbling off climbing frames and walls, and and it's all lovely, but... Winter. People don't in the, always think it the same about visiting in winter. And what we found is that actually the difference between what you feel like when you arrive at a garden in winter and what you feel like when you leave, the sense of being uplifted and everything else is much greater. It's rather fascinating. It is, and in fact, it's something that I've been talking about on, on the radio station a lot, is that, um, you know, even... You know, I encourage people to walk along a river or walk through some fields. But when you've got the joy of seeing gardens, I mean, people, you you just said it, you know, they're colourful, they're gorgeous in the summer. They've got lovely, pristine green lawns and all that sort of thing. But at this time of the year, you've got trees and shrubs, some of them, you know, that are deciduous, that haven't even got any leaves on, but they look They've got spectacular shapes and feeling. You can walk through woodland. Some of them have got woodland where you're walking on, you know, leaf each side. It, I tell you what, it's a joy, isn't it? I mean, just just locally <coughs> to us here, forgetting, ignoring gardens, you've got Epping Forest with the beech trees and the colour of the of the beech leaf on the on the floor is gorgeous. And and the next thing, of course, we're running into, of course, is snowdrop time, isn't it, George? It's just about to start, Ken. Absolutely, it is. And um, and that's become a great feature for us now. And every year, nearly a hundred, more, roughly 100 gardens open in the month of February. And the snowdrop, people are, are fascinated by snowdrops. And I think partly because they, they just always perform, whatever the weather. But they're also, the other thing that our research showed is that, is that snowdrops are possibly the best known and much most loved feature of this rather f- wonderful array of plants that that are at their best in february yeah. and a number yeah. of them are most wonderfully scented like daphnes and then there are other sort of small things more on the scale of snowdrops like winter aconite and of course the sense of discovery when people find these plants in a winter garden is absolutely fascinating, and that's what people love. And and so February now, you know, not so long ago, a generation ago, February would have been a very quiet month mm. for the National Garden Scheme. And now, you know, it, it's what you we it kicks off every year absolutely in style, and it's it's very exciting. And it gets gets our visitors out, and um, no, it's something that we really look forward to. And of course, you've got all these. Um, snowdrop addicts that are looking for all the different different oh. varieties because there's hundreds of snowdrops i know we only you know most people are just just growing the common nivalis but you know there there are so many ones to look out for as well aren't there oh absolutely and then a lot of them are, are named after famous gardeners or actually a number of them are named after a not famous gardeners. because what <laughs> happens is is it, 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 it's produced in in some of uh, an amateur gardener's home and and then it's released but oh no the 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 real the real uh fanatics the galanthophiles as we call them um you know they um 
they will travel hundreds of miles to find a single variety of snowdrop and and you know sometimes they 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 purchase for literally hundreds of pounds um but no we we've got we've got well we've got wonderful gardens opening in 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 your part of the world one yeah. of, one of the, a garden in suffolk great thurlow hall which is a february opener that was part of our our research last year with emma white and of course one of our best known and best loved gardens in essex is is philippa burrow's alting wick which is open on friday the 16th of february um but you can find but you have uh, to book some of them don't you you, you can't just turn so up can you? alting wick is 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 one where you have to book in advance but that has been that's been part of our uh, operating pattern now since 2020 and and people people have got very used to it and actually What's rather lovely with what we've discovered now is for, for quite a few weeks from when we launch a new season's garden openings, which always happens at the beginning of December, the year before, we now find that our busiest period of people going online and booking tickets for visits is between then and sort of the end of March. Because what people love at this time of the year, even if they may not be going out to visit themselves, is that they think, oh, right, we're going to book a visit to that garden. And it may not be taking place until April or May or even June. But they've gone online and they've booked their tickets. So they're all completely used to it. And you find all the details. The website is very simple, NGS, for National Garden Scheme, ngs.org.uk. And, yes, Ultingwick is one where you do need to buy a ticket in advance. Um, but, it's... but you'll find all the details in the booking system is extremely simple to use it is indeed i've had a look at that and of course another one around here is dragon's garden near chelmsford one yeah. i went to the other year was anglesey abbey which isn't i i think anglesey abbey is um it's national trust, it's national so, yes, trust. That's, so that's another one that i know i visited there are so many and essex yes, and, has and got a lot along, of along what you might call along the, the little bit to the to the west in Hertfordshire, uh, there's another wonderful, famous snowdrop garden. Well, there's two actually: Bennington Lordship, oh yes, uh, and Walken Hall. Um, I know. I, I myself, I've been to Bennington, yeah. and in fact, that is because he's got quite a large collection of different varieties, which is keen. The, gu the gardener there is a very keen guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, so, so 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 this is the the time of year that we we find there's so much to look forward to. And I, I must mention, Ken, that, that we've got one very big but and rather unusual excitement for the National Garden Scheme in that for the, only the second time in our history, we have got a show garden at Chelsea Flower Show this That's year. That's good, isn't it? Um, which we're all greatly looking forward to. So let's just remind people once more, they can go to, is it National Garden Scheme on the website? No, it, well, the, web, the web address is literally just the initials, NGS. G-S. So www.ngs.org.uk. George, and, thank you very much for joining well, us you. today. It's lovely to talk to you again, Ken. It is to catch up. You see, the modern world doesn't have to go and meet at the Festival Hall. We can talk down the line as well, can't we, George? Exactly. <laughs> thank you very much Happy indeed. Happy New Year to everybody. Bye. Bye-bye there. That's uh, George Plumtree, the Chief Executive of the National Garden Scheme. And don't forget, check out some of those great snowdrop uh, gardens that you can go and see.